Good evening, folks. What you are about to see should not be viewed by the faint of heart. This motion picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, is a bloodbath of hysteria, drenched in the macabre and seeping with the gay agenda. This cinematic nightmare should not be viewed by youth or the impressionable, for they may leave the theater completely snatched and tucked. A tale of murder and mayhem, lust and depravity, plagued with acts of abomination. Feast your eyes and ears on Death Drop Gorgeous. All right, welcome back to another horror hookup brought to you by Friday the 13th. If this is your first time with us on one of these horror hookups, this is where we do an interview-style questionnaire with our guest. It's usually somebody in the entertainment industry or in the LGBTQ um, industry, and today it's both. So we would like to welcome some of the creative team behind the upcoming slasher, Death Drop Gorgeous. Welcome um, Michael, Ryan, and Brandon. Thank you for having us. Hello. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know we've been we've been wanting to do this for a while, and we were kind of waiting, and then COVID hit, and then it, ugh, it all got messed up. But hey, what's that? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> COVID has just wiped away any sense of reality. It's all just one giant blob. But here we are, yeah. <laughs> and we're very happy to have you guys on the show. Um, and thanks so much for, for joining us and for letting us watch your beautiful movie. We had so much fun watching it. It's ridiculous. Um, and all of you will, too, when you see it. And we'll tell you how very soon. But you got to listen to this interview first. So let's start at the beginning. And um, this is really for, for any of you. Uh, tell us a little bit about Death Drop Gorgeous. Tell us a little bit about each of you. And we'd love to hear a little bit more about what inspired you to make this film. Sure, sure. Um, so me and the, one of the other creators, Chris, um, Chris Delpy, who actually can't be here tonight, he had a family emergency. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, yeah. So about, um, say, like five years ago, we had this, like, ridiculous idea of doing, like, um, t- we're talking about horror movies that we wanted to see that just didn't exist, in- involving queer representation. And, um, you know, with, like, all the apps being rampant, like, it's such an easy opportunity for serial killers to kill people. I mean, it's, like, um, gays don't see red flags at all. So we're, like, this is just Oh, so you you know about my exes then. Is that it? (laughs) It's, like, come meet me in this, like, abandoned slaughterhouse for some PNP. And, you know, you're right there. And then, so we're kind of joking about it. And then, um... A year, actually, this is a while ago, six years ago. So a year later, I brought this idea up to our our Mike that's here with us tonight, and he was like, "Why don't we make this into a into a movie?" And so I was like, "Oh yeah, that's let's do it." Um, so then we met up with uh, me and Mike met up with Chris um, at this local bar. This is Chris's first time uh, meeting Mike, and we kind of just like hashed out this idea, and then kind of as you see in the movie, so there's more to it than just like a the dating app. Like we started incorporating more elements to it. Um, sure. So uh, kind of the beginnings of it. Um, or Mike, do you have anything you want to add to that? No, that sounds pretty accurate. I think Brandon and I connected through horror movies, and mm-hmm. um, 
we were I just like I kind of flippantly was just like we should just make our own and then he had mentioned um, this little idea he had with Chris and I, we were just like let's just fucking do it um, so yeah we met and we just started like outlining the ideas and our mantra was just kind of like well let's just keep going and see how far we can take this and then five years later we have a feature wow. film uh, which is really exciting but it's been a long journey hmm. now quick quick follow up to that question is this the first film that you've all made together yes, yes. gotcha so yeah, speaking of that, how how did you guys get this made? You know, we can we can see that there are a lot of the creators are also part of the cast. <laughs> um, you know that you guys were on a limited budget just from you know kind of having conversations with you guys. We knew that, um, but talk to us a little bit about the process of getting this done. I mean, did you guys kind of fundraise? Like, how did you get this thing made? Yeah. So well, um, Chris's brother-in-law is a filmmaker, and his name is Philip. Gillette. He did um, Europa Report. He wrote that, and he did mm-hmm. a horror movie called They Remain, which came out kind of oh, recently. Yeah. yeah. So he and his wife Vicky Dalpy, who's a writer, they kind of like mentored us at the beginning. Phil lent us a camera, and then from there we just fundraised like as much as we could. We did um, an Indiegogo, a GoFundMe. We did two or three local fundraisers um, and we kind of curated the events and created them. Uh, We also applied for an artist grant through Rhode Island's um, art program. Hmm. And so, yeah, it was just kind of like scrounging up money where we could. (laughs) Um, And I think that's basically how we got it underway. Um, Right, Brandon? Yeah, and I have have some some experience. I went to school for, for digital recording and editing. So I had some experience with equipment and editing, um, and just kind of like framing out video. Um, so more like technical into things, like not like I didn't go to school for like theory, but like the technical boring stuff. So I had that in my back pocket. Nice. Um, yeah. So we just were kind of like, let's, you know, let's see what we can do. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we all just sort of jumped on board and we, there's like a, a basic crew of five of us. I mean, yeah. so Brandon, Mike, uh, Chris, myself and Wayne, um, who basically were kind of the nuts and bolts of everything. I mean, Wayne is the, the main character. Yeah, Wayne is yeah, the main character yeah. in the movie. And, um, you know, at every shoot, um, pretty much, you know, at least 90% of the time, all of us were there doing various things. Like uh, I was doing primarily sound, and as Brandon said, primarily uh, photography and, and Mike's directing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just basically us trying on, on our, you know, nights and weekends trying to, to, figure out a schedule for everything and, and, and rope all the, the cast into actually being able to be there and show up and yeah. then, um, getting the sets ready and all that. So yeah, it's been, it's been a journey, but it's, it's, a uh, it's been a, a huge learning process. We were kind of inspired too by some of low budget films, like movies like, uh, we're fans like Driller Killer and Miss 45 and like recently like Tangerine got all the way to the Oscars and they filmed that on iPhone. So like throughout this process, we just kind of saw like, you know, this can definitely be done. Um, and, and go far. So we just kind of yeah. you know, kept those things in mind, too. Boy, that Tangerine, what a film, huh? Oh, Jesus it's great. Christ. Oh, yeah. it's, so, it's so incredibly good. It's such a um, good film. Thinking about films, you know, I, I, I studied theater in college, and one of the things that, you know, we were sort of, sort of taught, um, whether we were directing, whether we were acting, whether we were writing, no matter what, was why, why this, why now? 
And that's something that I that I think about, you know, now with this this podcast. Every film that I watch, I always think, why this? Why now? And um, you said earlier, I forget who said it, Brandon. It might have been you. Um, but you know, part of the reason why you made this was you were thinking about horror movies that didn't exist. Tell me about. Tell us, what's a horror movie that didn't exist? So when we all first started talking about this, we were all kind of on the same page. I think we just really wanted to have representation of people that felt like outsiders in the mm-hmm. gay community. Cause like, I think us as a whole, I can speak for like, you know, the five people in this group that were all kind of outsiders. Like I come from a, like a noise rock and metal background. Um, there wasn't really a big, like, you know, gay scene where I grew up. Um, mm-hmm. you know, same with Ryan as well from Oklahoma. Um, and then like, even when you get invested into a gay scene, like it's just, um, you know, it, we wanted to see a movie that represented outsiders and kind of told their story. Mm-hmm. But we also want to tell a story of even going beyond that and, you know, talking about like what hasn't been seen in film before, like what issues have not been addressed in, in the queer community. Um, we thought like ageism was a pretty big one. Um, our friend Wayne, who, as you know, is, is black, is a bartender here too. And he has a whole myriad of stories that just kind of um, confirm that, you know, this movie needs to be made. These stories kind of need to be told. Yeah. And um, even if you're not gay or queer, like it's, it's just a story about like, trying to survive being an outsider in in American culture and community. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I think I'll add on to that. I mean, a lot of films that, that deal with sort of the LGBTQ experience, um, they deal with, like, individuals being outsiders with respect to, you know, the straight world. And, yeah. they, and the, mm-hmm. the monsters in that movie are often come from the straight world, um, come from sort of heteronormativity and all those sort of demons that like gay people have to contend with. Uh, but in our movie, it's, it's actually pretty insular in terms of it's about the queer community itself. We don't really have some sort of outside demon or outside force. Like the monsters and demons in our movie come from within that very, that, mm. that, 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 that community. Interesting. Um, and so, you know, as Brandon was saying, the ageism, the racism, all of that's coming from other gay people. And so I thought that was, you know, that's a cool story, I think, something that might we might have done a little bit differently from from some other films in terms of the focus so hmm. Hmm. and Love we just want to make a like a fun gory horror movie that's you know just fun as fuck too i feel like there's not a whole lot of, of gay horror out there there's you know there's a few some stuff coming out recently but like if you go through the, the history of horror there's like a handful i mean um i feel like the first one i was exposed to was hellbent Oh yeah, um, I think for the time, great. Not my not my favorite slasher movie, but like any kind of representation at that time was amazing. Like when I first saw that, I was blown away and like shocked that it existed. It was like, oh my god, there's a movie for people like me. <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. Um, I, I like that you kind of in this movie you don't pull any punches because I, <laughs> I feel like in the gay community, especially, we can sometimes be our, like our own worst enemy in how we segment, um, the gay community and how we don't always welcome people that are different, different than us, even though we are the difference. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. And speaking of different too, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, some of the various queer people that are in the movie, you know, you feature (laughs) drag queens, like Janet Fitness, Gloria Hole, Audrey Hartburn, all great names. Um, are these are these existing drag queens? Were they created for the movie? Tell people about that. So all the drag queens' names we created, um, <laughs> except Janet Fitness. Janet Fitness was an existing <laughs> drag queen in Boston who is a friend of ours who ended up playing Janet Fitness. Um, but they are all... Um, Gloria Hole, uh, who's our kind of main drag queen in the film, 
is based on a drag legend from Providence who, um, so she was loosely based on this very, um, I don't know, irreverent, over-the-top drag queen here. Um, but everyone else, we kind of made up the names and kind of created the personas, I think. Wow. Yeah. So wait, so wait you mean to tell me that Gloria Hole was not a name already used by a drag queen? <laughs> I mean, not there, that I know not that we know of. There might be a drag queen somewhere in North wow. America that's using that name, but we, we did come up with that name. Yeah. And, Andrew, tell them the drag name you gave me years ago. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you just say it? <laughs> it's Tori Anus. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, you better go ahead now. I'll, I'll just keep blabbing. Um, <laughs> so speaking of kind of the making of this movie and some of the violence that goes on in it, I mean, there's some pretty intense kills in this in the in portions of this movie. Um, who was like your resident like special effects guy? Had they had experience in doing this kind of stuff before? Because some of them are pretty visceral. Well, so believe it or not. Um, we're, we're big fans of Dragula, and um, we were watching season two of Dragula, and I got pretty obsessed with Victoria Black. Um, and so I, I was, like, looking her up and trying to learn more about her. Um, lo and behold, she does special effects, um, has her own little special effects shop. She sells props. So just on a whim, um, after one episode one night, I, like, messaged her, and I was like, hey, um, we're making this, like, super low-budge movie in Providence. Um, I'll send you the scripts. Uh, you know, let me know what you think. And if you're interested, we'd love to have you on board. Um, so she got back to me like within like a week, or um, and well, actually her dad got back to me. He's kind of like her agent. Um, she's a lot younger than I thought, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> awesome that she's this talented at such a young age. Like being that young and like what she brings to the table is insane. She's like a prodigy. Um, so her and her boyfriend Opulence Black, who's a part of um, Black House Productions down in Orlando, they came up here in their in their uh, their van, um, <laughs> brought their like one stop shop of like all this equipment and props and stuff. Uh, we had them do three of the, the pretty intense, three of the big, the big gore scenes they did. Um, they were super pro, super sweet. We got to really know them. Every time they come on tour, they stay with us. They're, they're just like the, the nicest people too. Yeah, they just um, drove up here and stayed for what? For like a week. Eight, yeah, eight days. Eight days. Wow. Like here that. for eight wow. days. Yeah. They were making all the props in the garage. They made the, uh, the dick. They made the intestines. They did a bunch of the kill scenes. Like it was just really, really brilliant. Um, and then the other person did our special effects. I was kind of hunting around because um, we didn't have a whole lot of money left. And I was like, we should probably find someone local. We were getting like quotes from people in New York that were completely insane. I, I don't even. I, I won't oh get my that god! Story, I remember those like... quotes. It was like their day <laughs> quote and then their assistants quote, and I was just like, uh, <laughs> can we do this ourselves? I was like, we're not building an animatronic dinosaur. We're like, <laughs> fucking like, yeah. I don't know what that price was. So we met this other person, Scott Miller um, of Scott C. Miller Special Effects, who has this insane resume. And like, we got quotes from him. And it turns out he's also family as well. So he ended up, you know, being um, gay, so which, which was a pleasant surprise, too. So like up and down, this whole cast and crew ended up being pretty queer. So um, and he was fantastic, too. He brought some great special effects to the table. His his work and his his portfolio are fantastic too yeah the um if people go to see our trailer the uh the kill scene that we featured with uh drag queen Naoki fatal where her face gets smashed in a mirror he did that one and it's one of i think visually it's one of my favorite ones it's so good um yeah i would agree yeah he's just he did he was amazing we had like this crazy idea about like what we wanted it to look like and he 
absolutely delivered with like the shards sticking out of her face and everything. That was cool. That was very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the uh, one of the horrific themes that you touch on in the film is aging. Let me tell you all about it. <laughs> um, so it, it really does hit on the idea, though, of gays sort of aging out. Um, you know, you've got a drag queen that was once at the top of her game, sort of aged out of the system, now just a bingo queen, that sort of thing. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about about that theme. Why was it important? You know, like I said before, why why now? Why this? Why was that important to to include in in, in your film? So when I first moved to Providence back in 2003, um, I lied my way into getting a job at a local gay bar because I was working at Staples and I wanted to blow my brains out on a daily basis. (laughs) So I lied and said I had bartending experience. Ended up getting a bar backing job at these, ended up working for uh, this two-in-one gay bar and then another one down the street. So it was like an eagle and a piano bar in one. Wow. Wow. um, So I worked for an older drag queen at the time, or actually she's uh, now... um, uh, female now, so not even a drag queen, so she was transitioning at the time to um, Jackie Collins and this other um, drag queen, Natalie Gay, and I was kind of like their shop boy, and um, there was a lot of, like, back in the days, 2003, um, a lot of the drag was primarily like, pageantry, it was, like, not not the drag you see these days, like, this is, like, a whole new field, yeah, but the sure. amount of work and time that these women have put into, the, like, they have to add, there's no Facebook or, like, you know, internet, really, at the time, like, there is, but it's not like we have now, they had to make flyers by themselves, they had to self-advertise, they, were, they had to put on these big productions to get people interested, um, there was, you know, maybe a group of, like, 10 queens at the time that were busting their asses that were a little bit older. Um, then, like, as RuPaul's Drag Race comes out, you know, the scene changes. You start seeing more younger queens come in. Um, and then you start really seeing a shift. Like, the, the artistry just, like, shot in 80 different directions. You had everyone bringing something new to the table, and it just really exploded. And um, I think that, you know, I, I saw that transition, and I saw how quickly these older queens kind of got phased out because – going to these pageantist shows where they're like doing these like kind of vaudevillian songs, old school Hollywood and musicals really wasn't the cool thing anymore. Cause now you have drag Queens doing backflips and like doing crazy, like horror makeup and just bringing all this new stuff to the table. Hmm. Um, and it really was kind of a bummer because th- there's this huge age gap. And then there's a lot of like battling between the Queens, younger Queens hate the older ones and vice versa. And it was really sad to see because I think a lot of the younger Queens didn't really understand like how brutal it was being a drag queen back then. Like I used to have to walk these ladies to the cabs because fear of getting mugged our door guy got beat up in the in the doorway of this um of our, our bar got hate crime right there at 10 30 at night um you know so there's just this like there's a fear of being a drag queen in public um nowadays i see drag queens stumbling home at 4 a.m down broadway no problem so i think it's you know kind of i really want to like we, all of us kind of agree on this we really want to like stick that in there to show that like you know you should respect your elders and vice versa the elders should respect younger girls that are bringing a different artistry to this to this you know this art form Nice, nice. I like it. Um, so, speaking of um, the city that this takes place in, um, I, I once lived in Providence, and it was like <laughs> it was like obvious that you wanted the city to kind of be a character in the movie itself. <laughs> There's particularly one scene at a metal bar that felt so Providence to me. <laughs> um, why was uh, featuring the city so important to you? It was almost inevitable that it would be very richly like providence because of the fact that like it was just organically providence i mean Mm -hmm. all of the actors all of you know i say all i'm you know talking maybe like 95 percent um but the actors the musicians the the venues the the venues Mm -hmm. and and really going back even to like the characters on which the story are based were inspired by providence people so i mean there's 
Gloria Hull being inspired by Kitty Litter, who was um, a, a provident staple, who was a, a legend in the community here for decades. Um, and then also like Tony Two Fingers, who's the club owner, uh, that was inspired by a, a person that Brandon actually knew that he worked with, or a couple of people. It was sort of loosely based on different aspects of, of those individuals. Um, so yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, quick, you know, quick question for you, because we, we've got all these people from Providence and Andrew who lived in Providence. So I'm, I'm outnumbered here. Um, but I'd like to know, you know, like if I was to to tell you about Chicago and what it's like to be queer here, there's plenty of shit that I could tell you that drives me up the wall. <laughs> what drives you up the wall about being queer in Providence? I know you said that you believe in it. I know you said it's an overlooked city. that's cool. It's a cool city doing cool shit. What is it doing wrong? I'm actually interested in knowing because I think that queer people really have to like sort of um, to think about this city by city and, and, and what we're doing. Sure. And I think it's not so much just Providence itself. Um, I think this is just an overwhelmingly I think it's more this is more of a universal thing with with queer communities. I think yeah. um, it, it really is becoming so homogenized. People love their labels. People love, you know, you're this, you're that, like you're a bear, you're this, you're that. Like, you, I think people sometimes try to squeeze themselves into these worlds where it's like you kind of sacrifice things that make you unique. And I understand like where that fear comes from. Like sometimes like when you're younger, you want that strength in numbers. You want to feel like you're a part of a group of people and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I think sometimes when, you know, I've, I think that I hate saying this, but I think like a lot of the, uh, the mainstream gay communities and bars and clubs are very commercialized. Mm. I think there's like certain standards that you have to meet to be a part of that community. Mm. Um, even down to some of the ones you think to be a little less like judgmental and prejudiced, there's still a lot of it there. Um, we've had people reach out about our film too. That um, we we made a post about a couple years ago talking about like you know fuck your audience, make the movie that you want to make. Like, make, don't worry about making your audience happy. Like, whatever is driving you that's going to make you want to create art, just fucking do it. I had two people reach out to me privately and were like, you know what, like, we read your guys' post. Like, um, I had one friend that's, like, a really talented musician, too, that's, like, I just rediscovered, like, getting back into playing music. I was like, I've been so into, like, the partying and the circuit stuff and the drugs. I kind of, like, lost track of, like, I, yes, I can do these things. So I think there's just this weird... I, I know I, I hate all the, the labels and the, like the, uh, it just drives me nuts. I think that's kind of a nationwide mm. thing, unfortunately. I wish people would just like go of all that crap and just be themselves. And if, and if people don't like it because you're yourself, and that's their fucking problem, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> well, I think we are starting to see with the younger generation, they're kind of straying away from those labels now. Everyone's starting to just be together again, which is um, hopeful, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so one of the side stories in Death Drop Gorgeous finds our two hunky detectives trying to solve the case of you know the queer murders that are happening, and I have a bone to pick with you. Why would you not let them hook up? There's definitely tension between them, and we all wanted to see I that. I know, dude, that's so gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I play one of the detectives. Um... <laughs> Yeah, Mike, why didn't you hook up? <laughs> Come on, Mike, jeez. Well, I think originally written during a moment, we were, su- we were <laughs> supposed to kiss. Um, and the reason we couldn't is there, without like spoiling it too much, is there was um, non-kissable <laughs> blood all over Sean's face. 
<laughs> and if I had kissed him, it would have been like poisonous or something. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, people who people who have not seen it yet are like, I know what the fuck? A, that was such a bad answer to the question. No, well, it, was, no it, was a, it was an awesome answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I think also with those characters, um, we were obviously sort of interjecting a bit of commentary on like homophobia within sort of masculine society and within like the police force and stuff like that so it wasn't that like these are two overtly gay characters who are fine with hooking up but that it's like it's becoming obvious that there's something there but that they're both sort of like denying the obvious at times um and so we were just sort of like humorously playing with that i think so uh that's that's part of the the reason i mean i got to stare into (laughs) sean murphy's beautiful eyes so many times it was very hard not to (laughs) have the sexual tension there it just sounds like you guys didn't download the death drop only fans <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're funding the next movie <laughs> so hey speaking of speaking of other movies too we we noticed in the credits that uh two of your assistant editors well actually i think your only assistant editors are uh are tyler jensen and roman Clemente. Um, yes. and we know we know those lads from scream queen my nightmare on elm street um, and movie. oh, it was, it's, it's wonderful. We, we you know we we had a lot of fun with them in Chicago. We had Mark on the show. It was a, it was a really good time. Um, and just tell us a little bit because you know our listeners are, are very into to all of that. Tell us a little bit about that experience working with with Tyler and Roman. Sure. So we met them. It's kind of a funny story how we met them. So um, Devin Hunt, who scored um, a good chunk of our film, um, is really close with Linnea Quigley. Um, he, she was in one of their. He was in a band called Sexcrement from Boston. And uh, she was in one of the music videos, so he's been he became really good friends with her. So they were at Salem Horror Fest, and Devin's like, "Do you guys want to come meet Linnea Quigley?" We we're like, "Um, fucking absolutely!" Like, so we were there, went, hung out with them. Um, and Salem Horror Fest was showing Roman and Tyler's film. Um, so we ended up going to this dance party at this awesome sushi place where that book shows and has these awesome like gothy '80s dance parties. And then we ran into um, Roman and Tyler. So. Um, Roman um, kind of latched on to us, and we started talking. We had a bunch of stuff in common and had a blast with him. We were just dancing, listening to good music. Um, he had mentioned that he does audio stuff, and he's like, if you guys ever want some help, like, let me know. We're like, oh, my God, absolutely. We were definitely lacking in that department. Um, and he was just such an awesome dude. So I ended up contacting him um, probably about, like, maybe a few months after that and, um, you know, got him um, a copy of the movie, and uh, he absolutely loved it. Showed Tyler. They loved it. Um, they they kind of just became part of the project. Um, they're seriously like two of the best people in the business right now in terms of queer horror. Um, those two, I absolutely love. I just think they're, they have such a good head on their shoulders and they really know what they're talking they're about. They're both so sweet. Um, they kind of like took us under their wing and have been like the connections they've done for us and the work they've done. Like Tyler cut our most recent trailer and it is so beautiful. It's a work of art. Yeah. Like he's so talented and so is Roman. They've just been like, such they're like our two dads basically (laughs) (laughs) and if anyone hasn't seen their movie i highly highly recommend it it's um it's just more than a documentary and i'm in elm street too i I think it's actually a crucial movie a lot of younger people should watch um but but other than that you know they're just great dudes um very talented they sat down with us and helped us edit out a bunch our movie was very had a very long running time at one point so they helped us you know kind of narrow that down um, Roman, uh, Roman's still kind of helping us with some sound stuff. That's been <laughs> been an issue, but um, he's he's amazing. Uh, great guys. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, awesome to hear. Yeah, 
Um, so I want to talk about the real star of this movie. Um, <laughs> that is a tragic. Uh, I was like, well, who so is she going to say? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so she uh, plays kind of your resident, like kind of weirdo, just like always in the background. You may or may not. She may or may not be like a bigger part of the plot. We don't know. Right. She's just kind of there. But how this character, I, every time she was on screen, I, I couldn't stop from, from laughing. <laughs> just like the good. delivery of the lines um how was that character realized and like who who was the person that kind of um put that we have like a whole backstory for tragedy (laughs) 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 but i'm glad you said that because like so the drag queen that plays tragedy is complete destruction and we kind of like typecasted her because she's kind of like the weirdo (laughs) outsider drag queen she's so pro she's so professional and so talented um and I've always felt like in the back of my head, I always felt so bad because she has like four lines. Like she has plenty <laughs> of scenes, but she has so little lines. And I'm like, wow, like I really feel like I'm underusing complete destruction right now. But it seems that people have responded very positively toward her. So I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I actually think it's the perfect amount because I think if you overkill that joke, it gets stale. But she's just in it just enough to be hilarious. Oh, good. <laughs> I don't even. Yeah, so, I don't even know what to say about tragedy. She's 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 an ageless uh, wonder. She's she's an ageless wonder. <laughs> she was awesome every single time. And I feel like when you guys were writing this story, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to get into, like, um, details and, and spoilers of what exactly happens, but I feel like it started out as she's sort of, like, this weird character, right? That, like, this, this sort of, like, weird drag queen that was, like, at this club that's, like, um, at sort of this, this dying club that's, <laughs> like, this aging place. Um, and and then I think that, like, a story sort of developed for her as, as you guys were writing it. Um, so it was almost kind of like an organic thing, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So friends, everyone is going to be very excited to see this movie now. Tell <laughs> them a little bit about how they can do that. I understand it's going to be going on this Saturday, July 25th at Wicked Quia. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Tell them about that. So Wicked Queer is, um, due to COVID, is going virtual. And you can see Death Drop Gorgeous for $10 on July 25th at 9.30 p.m. And it'll be available for 24 hours from that time. So if 9.30 p.m. on a Saturday doesn't work for you, um, you can always have Gloria Hole be your Sunday cartoon. Um, and it's going to be the first time the film will be available nationwide. I believe that, uh, the United States, Canada and Mexico, from what I remember are the, the geo locked areas for this fest at this time. Um, and yeah, that's how they can see it. Yeah, so that's really cool. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, seriously, oh. congratulations! It's it's really incredible when anybody does anything. <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, seriously, like when you when you're doing creative endeavors, it's it's whether you're, whether you're making a podcast, whether you're writing a, a book, whether you're making a short film, a feature film, you're writing a play, whatever. This takes a lot of work. And oh, what's yes. what's what's wonderful about film and and theater too, I think too, is that they're really the most collaborative of all of all the, the forms when you think about it. It brings together so many people 
Um, and it's been really fun to hear you guys talk about, you know, just all these people you got to work with. I think it's just amazing. You should be very proud. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We hope we inspire other people to, to do their thing, too. Like, we're happy to answer any questions personally, too. Um, I mean, I know, I know we're not movie experts, but if you're looking for tips and tricks on making a low-budget movie, like, people to talk to, um, I, I really hope that people aren't afraid to express themselves and make film and make queer horror. Um, just do your thing. Totally. Well, there you go. If, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Tell us all of your socials, all of your things. Sure. We, uh, uh, deathdropgorgeous.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, on we're on Instagram. Um, message us through any of those vehicles. We're not really on Twitter all too often, but um, Instagram and Facebook, we for sure check out. Um, yeah, so e- email address is deathdropgorgeousgmail.com. Um, so, yeah. And, and, and I'd also want to say uh, uh, in terms of supporting queer horror that um, – I'd want to encourage people to also check out some of the other films on Wicked Queer as well. Yeah. So if you go to their, I think it's wickedqueer.org, um, you should be able to find uh, the links there to purchase tickets for the film. But they also have uh, tickets for uh, uh, many other great queer films um, that are just coming out. Uh, you can purchase tickets for the shorts block or you can purchase sort of like, I think, all day passes. That sort yeah, of I mean, so, people, there. I'm looking at the website right now. There's a ton oh, yeah. In, yeah. The, in this festival. Like, I mean, you you should not have a boring couple of weekends here, so totally. get into it. They've been doing it for, what, 24 years? It's been going on for a while. Uh, 30, I think they're like 30 Oh, 30, years. 35 years. Never yeah. mind. Don't listen to me. Wow, wow. <laughs> so before we let you guys go, um, we want we always try to ask this question. Um Maybe not what is your favorite or what is the best, but what are kind of some of your guys' horror go-tos? Like, are you more in the slasher realm, ghosty guys? Like, tell me a little bit some some of the movies that you guys go to. Go. For- Everyone loves this question, by yeah. the way. <laughs> go for it. Uh, who's got it? Go ahead first. Um, my favorite areas of horror i love folk horror i love fantasy horror and i i love like just really trashy 80s slashers like um no no morals no political message 80s style <laughs> um even though we made like a very political movie i just love like just absolute trash 80s horror a lot um <laughs> and like and i'm a huge clive barker fan too so um that's kind of my my area yeah it's so it's so <laughs> nice. weird because we like made a com- comedy horror movie and I do not watch comedy horror movies. Um, so, <laughs> Same. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, my, f- <clears throat> I, I like fantasy horror. I think my favorite horror movie is Alien. And I know it's like, I guess, could be considered sci-fi, but I do consider it a horror movie. Um, and that one, I always really like the horror movies that like, the ones that I remember the most are the ones that stick with me after, even if I, I was like young when I watched it. Like the Blair Witch Project really fucked me up. And I like wouldn't go in the woods for a very long time. And, like those are the ones that those are the hor- the ones that like linger with you after are the ones like the lasting impression ones are the ones I really uh, gravitate towards. Yeah, and I I love like um, I think typically like, as a genre I love slashers. I love uh, fun, gory, you know, like eighties slashers, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, and I think, like, in general, I'm not a huge fan of, like, supernatural horror that much. But it's funny because, like, um, some of my favorite movies actually do involve that. So, like, I love Rosemary's Baby, which is, like, a, probably my top, like, so good. Three, three favorite horror films. It's just, it's so perfect, and it's done so well. And I've seen it, like, a million times, and I could watch it a million more. 
Um, but yeah, I also love like Blair Witch Project. It's just it's so like great in its simplicity and was so effective when it came out. Um, and of course, it's not for everybody. Some people hate that sort of you know type of film, but um, I think it's great. Awesome, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we we like horror films too, so we're right with you. You know, we're right there. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't say on a podcast like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've really enjoyed having you guys on, and we really appreciate you taking the time to kind of talk to us about your your movie that's coming out on Saturday. So, yeah. people, get on it. Wickedqueer.org. Buy a ticket. Go watch the movie. <laughs> and, hey, and hey, friends, too, before you leave us, remember to, please, uh, if you're not wearing a fucking mask, go wear a mask. That's one of, that's one of the rules of being a fan yes. of Friday the 13th, or you're not allowed on here. Uh, or anywhere near us, for that matter. Um, and also, too, please remember to rate, review, and share Friday the 13th wherever you can. Um, thank you for joining us for another horror hookup. And, Andrew, let's remind them all to come with us again and get slayed. Get slayed. <laughs>